Welcome to the Doing Good Business Podcast, designed to bring out the best in you and your organization. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach on a mission to create a culture where business is the true balance of head and heart. I work with leaders and companies on how to leverage my brand of kindness to gain powerful results. And I'm Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you shift conversations to identify what works and find ways to build on that success with people, planet, and profit in mind. The Doing Good Business Podcast is the place to learn about transformational leadership qualities and purpose-driven business practices that are essential to success in today's modern market. You can make the world a better place through business, and the business case for that starts now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Doing Good Business. It is uh, late in December, and Kelly and I feel like we have a little bit of a holiday treat today. Um, I'll share the story about our guest that Kelly and I were discussing right before we hit record. And, and that is when we heard about this person, um, the email was forwarded from me to Kelly and I immediately said, I'm a hell yes. How about you? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously Kelly replied and we are so happy to have this conversation today with Robin Giggle. Um, Robin is a lot of things, not the least of which is an author of the book by way of sorrow, but she's also an attorney and an activist, and I will let Robin introduce herself much better than I ever could. So Robin, thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about who you are in the world. Thank you, Laura. And and I guess I have to start with a correction, which is my last name is pronounced Geigel. Uh, I apologize. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And don't feel bad. I mean, most people get it wrong. So there you go. I feel go. your pain on the name as someone who says their name like it has a U in it. So Robin Geigel, thank you. You're welcome. I am an attorney in New Jersey. I've been practicing law for over 40 years. I practice primarily in the areas of employment litigation and com- commercial business litigation. I'm also an activist with a a small a in the lgbtq plus community and i use small a on purpose because my day job is as a lawyer but i am involved but there's so many people in the lgbtq activism space that do so much more than i do who devote their lives and their careers to it so that's why i purposely use you know a small a for for my activism because even though it's something that I am passionate about and that I care deeply about, it's still something that has to fit in a, a certain time box because of, of, of my day job and because of the other thing that, that I'm doing, which is, as you said, I, I am an author. I've written a novel by way of sorrow that comes out on March 30th, 2021. And somehow when my agent got me the book deal, uh, it was a two book deal. So I have just finished book two, which is called Survivor's Guilt. And that will come out in February of 2021. And last but not least, I think my most important role is I am the parent to three wonderful adult children and mm-hmm. grandparent to three spectacular granddaughters and uh, another step granddaughter whose birthday is today. So a shout out. Happy birthday. Happy Happy birthday. birthday. That's amazing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, we are excited about your, you know, your capital L lawyer and your lowercase a activism and and all of those labels and, and just happy to be able to chat with you more today. 
Thank so, you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to start with your your book by way of sorrow. And and I will say in full transparency, I was really intrigued by the teaser for the next book, Survivor's Guilt. So excited for that in uh, in 2022, but the new book coming out in March of 2021. You know, as a lawyer and as an activist, you know, I think about storytelling. You know, I'm a fan of Brene Brown's work and and she often talks about how our brains are wired for story. So even before you started down the path of authorship, tell me a little bit, you know, how did story show up in your professional life, you know, in the legal realm, in the activism realm? How did you use story in those parts of your life? I guess I'm going to have to preface my answer with, with a little bit of a backstory. So for those of you, I didn't introduce, use it in my intro, but I am a, a transgender woman. And that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm very much an activist in the LGBTQ plus community. And so for a large part of my life, I told a story that wasn't really my story. It mm-hmm. was how society saw me and how they expected me to be. And, and in that sense, I was, I was telling the story that everybody else wanted to hear from me as opposed to the story of who I was. And I, I came out uh, about 11 years ago and began telling my true story, my authentic story. And that has changed my life in so many ways. Uh, it got me involved in, in activism, but more importantly, I think it, it has allowed me to be a better lawyer because, as you said, we tell stories all the time, and, and lawyers, obviously, we're not telling stories. We're, we're handling cases with facts and law, but when you're presenting that to a judge or a jury, you want to do it in a way that conveys your your client's position in a coherent way. And so we're, in a sense, telling stories about our client's position or the facts of the case. And so that's something that you learn as part of being a litigator. And then you build your own personal story on top of that, because to be a good lawyer, you have to be yourself. There's so many ways to be a good lawyer. You know, there's this preconception that lawyers have to be angry and aggressive and everything else. And if that's not who you are, you're not going to be able to convey your client's case well. So you have to be able to convey as part of that who you are. And so for a large part of my legal career, I was a little bit hamstrung in that I wasn't free to be me. And so when I did come out and be myself, I think it has helped me in terms of people relating better to who I am and to my story and, and giving me the freedom to not only be who I am, but to experience life and tell my stories in a different way, if any of that makes any sense. Oh, makes a lot of sense. Um, Laura, I'm sorry, I jumped in there, but I know that was a question you had asked. But I'm so excited. I'm sorry. I just, I feel like, um, Robin, what you're sharing is so poignant, right? And when we do, we all have our internal dialogue, these internal stories that we tell ourselves. And it was a question in my mind too. I'm really glad that you touched on how it's 
Now it's better for how you do your job, right? So I have that of the in the of the two of us, me and Laura, I've got that macro kind of organizational strategy hat on. And you know, I was just thinking about how wonderful, potentially wonderful it would be for people to really be able to uh, be more of their authentic selves. And I think we're seeing those lines blur. I've been in business <clears throat> a while and, um, you know, and I've, I've seen that change from when you went to work, you were pretty much absorbed by the company that you worked for. That was your identity. And so I'm wondering... Um, when I think about your obviously awesome storytelling abilities, your great professional like experience, what advice would you give to people who, who want to bring more of their authentic self to work? I think my story might be a, a little bit more, you know, dynamic or dr- dramatic, I should say, than most in the sense that, you know, coming out is, is a, a big step. But I think being authentic doesn't necessarily have to do with your sexual orientation or your gender identity as it did in my case. It can be just being free to be yourself by walking away from a bad relationship, from walking away from a a bad job that isn't allowing you to, to grow and be your best self. There's so many ways to be authentic in the, in the workplace. In my case, it just happened to be that I had to say, this is who I am and incorporate that into my work. Whereas for a lot of people, it's, there were already, you know, they are already their authentic self, but they're, they're maybe limiting themselves or trying to fit themselves into a box that they don't really want to be in. And so you have to, right. You have to look at the whole picture and say, am I best serving who I am by doing what I'm doing? And if, if the answer is yes, then you're in a good spot. But if the answer is no, then you have to examine that and say, all right, what do I need to do to either grow in this role and, and be more authentic in this role that I'm in or do I need to find a new new role, whether that's personally or professionally? Right. No, I I see that. And I think about the creative people who are in organizations where the organizational strength is really like more analytic, right? Um, analytical, and they don't maybe value that as much. And I think about that on a very large scale, because I think it happens a lot where if the organization, the leaders could look at it from this through this diversity lens of right we when we have many perspectives it's actually better for us as an organization and for the same thing for very creative organizations and you have someone who's very much you know the kind of data rule follower maybe they're not pushing the boundaries enough so i think it applies to a host of um organizations and situations and that also makes me a little bit curious about what type of organization like, what does the organization need to be to be ready for people who who want to step into more of who they really are, and um, and still flourish in the organization? I don't even know that that's a question for you per se. I'm just kind of wondering out loud. If <laughs> well, as you said, I think as all of us look at inclusion 
and diversity with a small d because we want to be diverse, but it doesn't help if you're diverse but, and you don't include people. So as we all look at diversity and inclusion, I think a company needs or a business needs to recognize the worth of everybody who's in the organization and the different things they can bring to the organization. Because the more voices, the more viewpoints, the more experiences that people bring to the table, the, 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 better, the better chance there's going to be for the company to flourish. If you just surround yourself with people who are like you or who will say yes to anything that you say, you're not going to be able to expand your horizons in any way. And, you know, we're all so much creatures of our own journey that I think we all need to examine, you know, who we are and the limits of what our journey has exposed us to. And by being diverse and, and inclusive, we get the benefit of so many other people's journeys and their life experiences, which can't help but, you know, make a company more dynamic, more inclusive and, you know, present the best face to the, to the business world. So true. Firm believer over here, Robin. <laughs> yeah. And I, so as, as the coach who does work one-on-one, I'll, I'll ask a similar, you know, what's, what comes up for me is, you know, as, as humans, you know, we all have our unconscious biases. It is, you know, we are a tribal species that tends to, you know, look for, at least perceived likenesses. Um, have you, Robin, observed any traits in leaders who are more open and affirming, or did you have any experiences when you were coming out that you would caution leaders against? You know, what are your observations on on either side of that coin? Either things people can adapt to be more inclusive and open, or things to really make sure you don't do. I think the most important thing is humility, cultural humility. As I said, we all have our own journeys and and that has shaped who we are. So if you're a leader to recognize your own limitations and and how your journey has shaped you and to, to really recognize what you don't know and to be empathetic to people who are not like you, because their journeys have shaped them in a different way. And I think the thing that, that kind of made things, the, the best things for me in terms of when I came out and, and how people handled things were the people who, even when they didn't understand it, they were understanding. So when I came out and I said, you know, I'm a transgender woman, this was, back in 2008, this was, you know, light years ago in terms of where we are as a society in terms of the understanding of, of transgender issues. And so many people were, didn't even understand what that meant and, and didn't understand the concept of gender identity. And yet when they were effective and when it helped me the most was even if they didn't understand it, they accepted it. Right. And the, the converse, as, as you ask, is when people, you know, shook their heads and said, I don't understand this and walked away. And, mm-hmm. and that happened. 
And, you know, so it's the, the thing that helps the most is for people to be empathetic and understanding, even if they don't necessarily understand something. And the mm -hmm. thing that is the, the least beneficial is when you say, I don't understand this and I don't have to, and you walk away. Like what you're hearing on the Doing Good Business podcast? Then you'll love working with Laura or Kelly. Visit doinggoodbusiness.com forward slash the host to learn about them and how their services can help you do good business. Yeah, I think about the a recent conversation that Kelly and I had um, with Lisa Fain, who runs the Center for Mentoring Excellence. You know, she talked about three important inclusive behaviors for mentors. And one of which is just that understanding that my experience isn't your experience and your experience isn't my experience. And that is to me the most distilled down digestible definition of, of empathy. And, and Robin, that's what I'm hearing you say, like just, just that acknowledgement and empathy for, you know, I have my 43 years of experience on this planet. Kelly has her experience on this planet. Robin has your experience on the planet, but understanding that while there may be similarities, there are differences and all of that is true and real and okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even when I speak on transgender issues, which I do a lot of in, in terms of explaining the law and how it applies to transgender people. And I, and I give a cultural background in terms of what definitions mean and what terms mean. I always preface it by saying, you know, I'm viewing this through my lens. I am just one transgender person. Yeah. And so you can't take my experience and make it a universal experience for all transgender people because their lived experiences are going to be far different than mine. I, you know, I came from a place of privilege. I lived the majority of my life with privilege. You know, I was, you know, perceived as a, a heterosexual white male and I grew up with that privilege. And so my life was shaped by that. And my experiences as a lawyer were shaped by that. And I can look at it and say, the, the women of my generation who became lawyers, their experiences are far different than mine. Mm -hmm. And it's never fair for me to say, oh, well, this is the experience of a woman lawyer because I'm now a woman lawyer, because again, I came from such a, a different starting place than the women of my generation. So I think we always have to, to view it in the context of who we are and what shaped us and not generalize and not say, oh, all people of color are going to be like this. All women are going to be like this. All LGBTQ plus people are going to be like this because we're all different, even within our own little spaces. Definitely. So it's, it's so impactful, Robin. And yet in some ways you would think like, boy, evolution wise, wouldn't we know this already? Right. Shouldn't we know this already? I guess I try to stay away from the should word, but yeah, right. We are all going through life together, but in very different ways. And there's a wonderfulness in that that um, I think we just overlook too often. And you're really helping to highlight that. So thank you. No, you're welcome. And, and I don't exempt myself from any of this in the sense that I have to examine myself in terms of, you know, everything that's happened, you know, with George Floyd and Black Lives Matters. And you mm -hmm. think that you've been a good ally to people of color 
And then you really start to examine your life mm-hmm. and you say, have I really been an anti-racist? And, and unfortunately, I think for myself and for, for many people, the answer is, no, I could have done much better, and I mm-hmm. and I didn't. So it's not just me calling out other people. I yeah. I think we we all have to examine ourselves and and who we are. And and I, I forget whether it was Kelly or, or Laura Lara who who said used the term implicit bias, but we all have those implicit biases, and and mm-hmm. we have to examine ourselves so that we can try to address those within ourselves because as you said we're we're all in this together and yet we don't have I, the life experiences that so many of of our fellow humans have and the only way we can try to to you know join forces together is understand that just because their life experiences are different they're not different Right. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I just think about the Maya Angelou quote, you know, when you know better, do better. And and that's what I hear you saying. And and I know that's what Kelly and I believe and, and definitely the journey that we've been on in more than the last five years, but most pronounced in the last five years. Um, we're all learning how to do better, you know, as a heterosexual, cisgender, white woman who grew up middle class and you know, is still like, I, it's my responsibility to question my own biases and to, you know, to do better now that I know better. And tomorrow when I know even better, then I can do better each day. Exactly. And, and, and that's true for all of us. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So tell us about the book. <laughs> tell us about <laughs> my way of sorrow. How did you, um, you know, how, as a lawyer, how did you decide I'm going to start writing books? Well, I've always wanted to write a book. I actually started the first book I ever worked on when I was 30 years old and and it never got finished. I would say, you know, three kids, a a career, all of those things kind of came along and it was before computers and you were writing things on legal pads and (laughs) having somebody else type it for you. So it, it never got beyond about 100 pages. And then after I came out and um, transitioned, I, I, you know, my wife and I, who are still the best of friends, but we separated 12 years ago. And so I, my kids were grown. I was living on my own. Writing was always a passion. And so I decided to, to see if I could go back and, and, you know, follow that, that dream that I had when I was 30 years old. And Confession by Way of Sorrow is not the first book that I finished. I, I finished another novel back in 2012 and I did get an agent and it was never purchased. And when I look back on it now, I'm glad that it was never purchased. Um, I think that it's a great story or the concept for the story was great. I just don't think I executed it well. And someday I hope to go back and redo that. But one of the criticisms from uh, one of my children, who my middle son, who is also a published author, we are our, you know, we're our beta readers for each other. We we share this passion. And when he saw the the first book, the book before By Way of Sorrow, he was like, I can't read this. This is too close to home, because I had poured 
so much of myself into the main character. And so while the, the book was out and my agent was trying to sell it, I decided to, to write it, another book. And I purposely decided to make the main character not me. And so she's much younger than I am. She's 35 years old. But we do share some traits. She's a trans woman. She's a lawyer. She's a criminal defense lawyer. And I don't do that anymore. But I did it back in the day for, for many years. And it was a story that just kind of um, came out of me because I wanted to address issues involving race, gender identity, uh, economic deprivation, the, the unfairness uh, in terms of people who have wealth and people who don't, and the criminal justice system, and so I wanted to explore all those issues, and and hopefully I managed to pull it off. <laughs> well, wow. we're excited. <laughs> Go ahead, Kel. I, I know. I'm just like, that's so um, thoughtful and, and meaningful, and um, I can't wait to read it all. So you're going to have to finish the third one. I'm queuing up my reading for the next couple of years. You're going to have to revisit that, the first one to make it the third one. Well, um, I will. I, as I said, I, I, the, the concept, just so you know, was about a, a transgender attorney. Go figure where I got that idea from. <laughs> uh, you know, write what you know is is what they always say. Right. But who who was closer in age to where I am now, or where I was when I was writing that? Who is divorced, has children, is estranged from her children, is estranged from her ex-spouse? and then is contacted by her ex-spouse who has developed early onset Alzheimer's. Oh. And, and so the, the, the purpose, the, the, you know, I wanted to explore the concept of identity. Who are we? And, mm -hmm. and what makes us who we are? And I, and I will say that the, the part about, you know, being estranged from the children and, and ex-spouse and, and, you know, Alzheimer's, that's all made up. That's not my life. Uh, mm -hmm. I have a great relationship with my kids, my ex-spouse, or my spouse still. Um, right. So, but but the the concept of who are we and and what makes us who we are, and you have one person who has finally come out as their authentic self and and said, "This is who I am. I'm a trans woman. This is who I've always been." And then you have the other person who is losing their sense of self, mm -hmm. their sense of identity, and mm -hmm. so. That's a long-winded answer to, yes, I do want to get back to it because I, I, I thought the idea then was a, an interesting idea. I still do. I just don't think I executed it well. Well, we're going to give you a pass on that, Robin. So, <laughs> so feel free because I think it is very uh, touching and so relevant, right? Um, I, I love it. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Robin, I just have to say that, you know, you're Kelly and I believe and, and profess all the time, you know, we we understand that saying bring your whole self to work is much easier for people who are, you know, Kelly and I, right? Like cisgendered people who are, you know, born in white skin and all that kind of stuff. And I just 
the fact that you were able to walk that talk as somebody that has a very different lived experience and, you know, have continued to practice law and have moved into activism and now are starting to be, you know, not starting, but now you're an author and have one book that's about to be released and another on, on the heels of it. It just, it gives me hope. Um, and I think it's a great episode to have right at, you know, the December holiday season. So we thank you so, so much for being with us today. And always like to let people end with, you know, what are you excited about? Um, where can people find the book in March? What are you excited about in the next year? And what do you want to share with folks? Well, first of all, I'd start by saying it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. The book comes out on March 30th of 2021. It's being put out by Kensington Books. It'll be available on all the major platforms, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, but I am a big indie bookstore supporter. So if you're into indie bookstores, you know, please support your, your local bookstores. And if you go to um, my website, there's, you know, listings for independent bookstores and, and where you can get it. What I'm looking forward to, I think, is what we're all looking forward to in 2021 is is the end of the pandemic and, yeah. and life returning to some kind of normalcy. We all miss the interactions with with each other. I, I don't think I ever appreciated how much hugs meant mm-hmm. um, and how, how much it it. it you know, means to, to, to hug your children or your, or your grandchildren until you can't do it. And I mean, more than anything else, that's really what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to hug Kelly Stewart. <laughs> yeah, right. right back at you, Laura. <laughs> well, Robin, we will link to your website and that list of indie booksellers is amazing. I love that you have that so easily accessible for folks. Um, you know, Amazon's great. If we're using it, please at least use Amazon Smile, but let's support some of those small businesses. You know, all of us in this conversation are small business owners and and this pandemic has really um shaped all of our views on on supporting small businesses and you know, buy what buy from the places that you want to still see around a year from now. So thank you for that reminder. And again, thank you for your time and for sharing your story. And we can't wait for everybody to read by way of sorrow. Thank you again, Robin. Thank you so much. No, thank you both. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing Good Business. We hope you'll tune in regularly, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and most importantly, tell a friend or a few. It's how we can build the critical mass to make the world a better place through business. The Doing Good Business podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business. Learn how you can work with us at doinggoodbusiness.com slash the hosts. Let us know what you like about the podcast and what else you'd like to hear about through our online form on the contact page of doinggoodbusiness.com. We'll see you next time.